Tonight we're going to pick up in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have obtained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, God, so much for who you are and how much you love us, that you would send your son for us, that he would live, die, and rise again for us. God, thank you for your faithfulness, your endurance that you can give us in living a life for you with the help of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's children said, amen. I want to pick up where D left off last week, and I'm kind of in the middle, actually, where he left off. But when I was sitting in where you are now last week, D ended with a question that hit me like a baseball bat. And I've had this question on my mind all week, and it's this. Is your fire for Jesus Christ lighting the fire for others? Is your walk with God encouraging others to desire God for themselves? Are your brothers and sisters in Christ desiring a deeper fellowship with God by the example of God working in your life? Are the prodigals observing you and desiring what you have? Are the lost seeing what you have in Christ and going, I don't have that, I want it? Is the fire that is in you because you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, causing others to want the fire, the light of Christ, to be in their lives. I have examined myself throughout this week on that. And uh, I had an interesting experience as a youth pastor here. Um, I get the privilege of working with the youth, and one of the awesome things that I do is I encourage the youth to come. I get to go to the school and be there for lunch and stuff and go to their games, and I get to meet them on their grounds, and then they come. And when they come, I give them $3 to the snack shop um, or $2 for junior hires and $3 for high schoolers um, to the snack shop store credit. And so I buy a lot of candy, and I stock a bunch of junk in that snack shop. Well, usually when I buy a bunch of candy, it's about 100 boxes of candy at one time. And uh, this week I was stocking up again, and I'm buying it, and this lady goes, man, you really like candy. I thought you would be a much bigger guy than what you are. And I was like, no, this isn't for me. I'm a youth pastor. And she goes, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, I love youth, and I love sharing the gospel with others. And she goes, oh, okay. Well, I'm all done with you. I'll see you later. 
I was like, all right, I guess she didn't want to have that conversation. But are we using the opportunities that God brings to us to plant the seeds for the gospel? Are we allowing the others to see Christ in us in our everyday life? Our, my first point of tonight is we are to fix, fix your lives onto knowing Jesus Christ, putting everything into knowing God and seeking Him. Fix your lives onto knowing Jesus Christ, putting everything into knowing God and seeking Him. Him. God has sent His Son as Savior of the world so that we may come to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, to experience God, to know God through His Son. Do we want to know God? We may come to that point where we accept Christ and say, oh, I'm good. But do we want to know Him? Do we want to proactively seek Him? He desires us to know Him as He knows us. Do we desire to know him as he knows us? In Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 12, Now that I have already, have already obtained it and have already become, or have already, okay, let me start over. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I laid hold of by Christ Jesus. We have our salvation through Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. He's our King. He's our High Priest. He's to be our Master. We're still being worked on, by the way. I want to continue on in Deuteronomy 6, 5. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In our seeking, in our wanting to know God, every aspect of our lives should be fully pursuing Christ. Fully pursuing, seeking out God. Time in His Word, time in prayer, time in worship, time in fellowship with our brothers and sisters, sisters in Christ. Time in serving those that God's brought into our lives. Time in sharing the gospel. Time in remaining silent and in prayer before God for those that He brings into our lives. And then again in Matthew 22, verse 37, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Every aspect of us should be fully after God. This statement I want to say, let everything you do be done for the glory of God. May your love for God influence others to love God as well. May everything that we do say and think be honoring and pleasing to God, that it brings glory to Him, and that the people that He brings into our lives would be influenced to want Christ, to want God, to want the Holy Spirit working in their lives for themselves. God placed you in your neighborhoods for the very reason to use you to impact their lives. God's gotten, given you the blessings of your spouse, of your children, of your grandchildren, uh, um, anyone and everyone you know whether it's the cashier that you only talk to for a few minutes, to impact their lives with the gospel message. It should be on our forefront of our mind to say, I love God with all my heart and soul and mind, and I want others to love him as well. And then point two, Paul is saying that we are now heaven-bound. Act like it. 
Allow God to work through you. Give God what is rightfully His. In Philippians here, Paul is trying to make us aware of our time here on earth is so short. It doesn't last forever. I want to share uh, something that happened a couple weeks ago. So I was running youth group night, and I was just about to get up to speak. And my father-in-law called me. And uh, that night, my wife, uh, every other week, she takes my children to my in-laws, and then the other week, she gets my niece, and they watch the kids so my wife can be here for a youth group. And that night, we had a lot of black ice on the road. And uh, Chris Dittman had just shown up, and uh, I talked to him. I said, how are the roads? He said, well, they kind of threw me off. And he's out where my father-in-law and my mother-in-law live. And, and so... I knew my wife was still on the road. And uh, so a few minutes later, I'm just about to get up there and to share a lesson. And my father-in-law calls me and he goes, I just got a text. Your wife's in the hospital. What's going on? And to me, those exact words that he said, I had just lost my wife and all my children. Because I knew that they were going them, to them. I didn't know that my in-laws, by the way, already had my children. Um, but the emotion that I had just lost everything that I've wanted in my life. I've wanted to get married since I was a young man, and I've wanted to have children since I was 13. And I can, that emotion of God just took it all away from me. And he, my father-in-law was still on the phone, and just, you know, time seems to stand still there for a moment. And I had this question that I really feel from the presence of God asking, even if I take everything away, will you live for me? And I said, yes, but help me too. Because if you have taken it all away, a part of me is taken away, but I want to live for you no matter what. I want to be yours fully and completely. In the process of everything, my wife just totaled the truck. Everyone's fine. The baby's fine. The kids are all fine. It was a very high emotional night. And the memories of that is very clear. But if God takes away everything that we find joy in, everything that we find comfort in, every relationship that we have, if he was to take all that away, will we still love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Will we still be so fixated on that we're heaven-bound that we would still seek him and honor him? I'm going to jump just a moment don't switch slides, but I'm going to jump. It's okay to ask God for endurance. It's okay to say, God, I cannot do it on my own. It's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that question. But God, by your help, I can do anything that you bring my way. Um, so we'll come back to endurance. But are we acting heavenly bound? Or are we so focused on the short lifespan that we have here on, life, here on earth? I want to read Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. See that lying ahead, that when I'm in the presence of God for all eternity, when I am in the heaven with him with no more sin, is that on my heart? Is that on my mind? Is that something I think about on a daily daily? Uh, Occurrence, or is it something I only think about once in the blue moon? If you think about heaven, the end result, your 
so much easier to look around our world and say, look at all the craziness that's going on, but I'm looking at what God's doing and what He's got for me to come. And I want to be used by Him in this moment. So, we each have a past, present, and future. We all have a past. And in those pasts, we all have different ones. How we came to Christ, what's taken place. We all have a present right now, this very moment. And in this present time, we are to live for God, to praise Him, to worship Him, to honor Him, to seek Him, to obey Him, to read His Word, to share Him with others, to be a light so that others would be attracted to God. We have a future, ladies and gentlemen, to look forward to. Even here on this earth, we have a future. That is in God's hands if we entrust Him with it. But heaven, our ultimate future, where no more sin and no more death and no more sorrow will be, but to be in the presence of God fully and completely. 2 Timothy 2.4 No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. God has called us to a spiritual warfare. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in His Word. We need to be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we're not entangled in this everyday life, but that we're proactively seeking out God and serving Him with our lives. Let us remind ourselves, this life is not everything. God is to be our everything. This life isn't all there is. God is to be our everything during this life because in eternity, it's all about Him anyways. A. Remind yourself you are a work in progress. As I think back of that night in my wife's car accident not too long ago, as I thought later in the week about what took place for me and God, I'm like, do I really mean what I say, God? Or was I just in that moment? In giving myself mercy and grace, giving myself time to see myself in God's eyes for God to say I'm still working on you still working on those that are in your life and you still have a part to play I'm not done with you yet there's still more for you to do there's still more for you to allow me to work in you to use you for and that's the same with all of us if we allow God to use us he wants to use us it's, are you going to allow him to? So remind yourself you're a work in progress. Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying he's confident. If we allow God to work in us, we'll grow. God will change us. God will direct our steps. God will direct our words and we'll trust Him and obey Him. Allow God to work in you. And then B, your past doesn't define who you are. Christ does. 
Let your identity as a child of God through Jesus Christ be what defines you. If you accepted Christ, you are now saved. Your past, your sin, shouldn't be holding you back. What God empowers you to do through His Son and through the help of the Holy Spirit should let you run free and run fully and completely for God and His glory. I wanted to read 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Our sin nature dies. Christ has paid that price. We're to grow in fellowship with God and to seek Him out and to know Him and experience in Him. So, since Christ has paid everything for us, we're to lay our past, our presence, and our future at the foot of the Christ, at the foot of the cross, at Jesus's, into Jesus' hands and say, hey, God, it's all yours. Everything I've ever done, everything I'm doing, everything I will do, everything is all yours. See, keep the end in mind. Uh, John Maxwell is uh, one that challenged me in high school. Keep the end in mind. There are a lot of decisions in high school that I, I didn't make because I was thinking of the end of my life. I was like, I don't want to live this way because I want something more that God promises. If we keep the end in mind, the end of the day, since my wife's uh, car accident and that experience for me, my sensitiveness as a husband, my recognizing I only have so long of being her husband. Our relationship has changed on my part of recognizing that I've got to slow down. I've got to savor the time I do have. I've got to be proactive. Whether we have 50 years or however long God gives us, when I keep the end of our marriage in mind, I'm a much better husband. When I think of the here and now in mind, I'm a much more selfish husband. And God wants us in our walk with him to keep the end in mind. When, that, when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, and we have to give an account for our lives, that we would think about that. It should change how we live our everyday life from this moment on. Keeping the end in mind, I want to read Romans eight eighteen. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans eight eighteen. That no matter what goes on in this life, what is to come, we don't fully comprehend it. But what is to come is the best yet to come. As we live our lives and we want to influence those around us, I was reading a book by Francis Chan. It's called You and Me Forever. If you have time to read it, I recommend it. You and Me Forever by Francis Chan. And in that book, he challenges you and I to think about when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we want to, what do we want to hear? 
Well, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But in that book, Francis Chan challenges the reader to say, hey, when your spouse stands before God, what did you do for them to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? I want to challenge us tonight. What are we doing in the lives of those that God brings into our lives for them to hear, well done, and good and faithful servant? Whether you're single, married, 12 years old, or four, God actually wants to use you to impact the people around you with the gospel message. That they may stand before God and at the judgment seat and say, hey, I accepted Christ. This person here told me about him. Or this person here prayed for me. This person influenced me to come to know and seek out God for myself. So what are we doing in our everyday lives for the people around us to hear, well done and good faithful servant at the end of theirs? I want the big picture here. God intends to use you to influence and impact and encourage those that he brings into your life. None of the people he brings into your life are accidental. They're all brought into your life for a purpose. And then his purpose is to bring glory to God and for God to use you to impact their lives with the gospel message. And then three, endurance. Endurance is what's needed to live a life for Christ. We're to ask God for endurance. This is a great need that we have. I want to make the point that I don't think the Apostle Paul at all could have done what he had done without the endurance that God had given him. He could have not endured the sufferings that he went through, the persecution that he suffered without the endurance that God gave to him. We are to look at that and go, okay, we need endurance as well in our everyday life to live, God, live for God. So ask him for it. Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What we might go through in this life is nothing compared to what is to come and then in what is to come in the life of eternity. God wants us to have success in living a life for Him. And you will have success if you're obedient to Him, asking Him for endurance and repeat that over and over. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That verse challenges me. God says, ask me. 
ask. I think a lot of times, looking back on my own life, I've asked for too many of the wrong things for my own selfish gain. But to ask God for endurance and being faithful and living a life for him and for his glory, there's nothing wrong for asking for that. So we should be asking consistently and faithfully daily and asking God for endurance for others to live for him. Hebrews 10:36 For you have all for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. So after we've asked him we can benefit from that. We ask him again and again and ask for the sake of others. He'll grant it. He'll give it generously so that we may live a successful life for his glory. Point four. We are to mature in our lives with Christ. We are to grow in our walk with God. I have my fifth child on the way. I'm really excited about it. And uh, my oldest is eight years old. And as I think about being a father and watching my kids grow and develop, I remember very clearly the moment Jackson came out. He was purple. He had a lot of hair. And uh, I'll never forget that. And he was crying. cut the umbilical cord. And they put him on Leah, and then I got to hold him. And then later that day, my dad came up to me, and he goes, you praying for his future wife? Like, he just came out, Dad. He's eight. He, right now, he tells me he's never getting married, and I'm okay with that. He tells me he's living at home forever. I'm not sure I'm okay with that. But as I watch my son grow and develop, I think of our walk with God. When we accept Christ, we're like babies, a newborn baby. And our fellowship with God that needs to grow. That's why when we started coming here, uh, when I was 16 years old, and Pastor D was preaching on Bible reading and prayer, and, and he still to this day does that. We got to be doing that in order to grow. We need to be seeking out God in the fellowship with others. We need to be serving God. And if God's given us talents and gifts, we need to be using them. If God's brought people into our lives, we need to be impacting their lives with the, with the love of Christ. If God's given us marriage and children or grandchildren, we need to be influencing them as in keeping in mind of eternity. That they would be able to stand before God and God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because of the impact you had in their lives. We need to be aware and be growing constantly. We're not to just accept Christ and call it good. Or accept Christ and say, okay, God, you got this much done in me. What more can be done? Okay? Philippians 3, 15 through 16. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if it, anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Grow in your fellowship with God through Jesus Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit. You are not 
done being worked on yet. You are not perfect yet. But you are saved from your sins. You are called God's child. You are called God's. You are called the inheritance of Christ. You're the bride. You're the church. You're the bride of our, our Savior. We are to grow and grow in our fellowship with Him and grow in our understanding of His Word and grow in character that is God-like and grow in our understanding of His Word. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. He who becomes a, a practice had their senses trained to discern good and evil. And you're aware of what God calls as good, and we practice that. We be obedient to that. And what God calls as evil, we flee from, we stay away from. We're to grow in our obedience with, with God so we can grow in our fellowship with Him. And then uh, five, be challenged to pursue Christ's likeness by following Paul's example and use the gifts God has given you. We're to look at Paul's example and say, hey, that's something we can strive for, we can pursue after. We're to look at the example of Pastor D and Pastor Mike and say, something we can strive for and we can seek after. But you might be going, well, God hasn't called me to be Apostle Paul. God hasn't called me to be like Pastor D or Pastor Mike. But I'll tell you this, God has created you to be you and to be used in such a way that only you can be used to impact the people that he brings into your life. God did create you with the purpose to influence those he brings into your life, to grow in your fellowship with God and that so others would may go, hey, I want that too. You encourage me with your walk with God. I want to come alongside you so I can continue to be encouraged by you, by God using you in my life. God has called us and created us, each so amazingly unique and we each have a unique purpose in the bride of Christ. No matter what our role is, we're to be used by God if we're allowing him to use us. Philippians 3.17 Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. We're to observe the example and say, hey, wait. When Paul started out, what was he doing? He was persecuting the church. And he had an amazing experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he came to his senses of his need for his Savior. And he grew from there, ladies and gentlemen. And God used him for great things. God wants to do, this, do the same with you to use you for great things, to use you in such a way that you're, you can't even comprehend it or think about how he's going to do it if you trust him. It may be a little thing in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, he sees the full picture. So then trust him with your part in sharing the gospel with those around you. 1 Peter 4.10 Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others 
as faithful servants, stewards, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of us has a different gift and talent to be used. Not to observe others and compare ourselves with them, but to observe others and to be encouraged by that they're using theirs and we will be wanting and doing and using ours for the glory of God. A. Look at what God has done in the lives of people who have chosen to follow after Jesus and in your life. Look at your past. See what God has saved you from. Look at your present. See where he's got you at right now. Dream of your future and where he's going to take you. And dwell on heaven and think of the judgment seat of Christ and go, become self-aware of that end, but the beginning of the next life. Look at what God has done in the lives of those who have chosen to follow after Christ and in your life. God created you to be you, not somebody else. How much do you want to be used by him? And how much do you want to know him? 1 Timothy 4.16 Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. This passage really grips my heart. I'm going, it says, observe what I say and do. God's going to use me to impact the lives of those he brings into my life. They'll hear these words of God and they'll desire it for themselves. They ensure the salvation of others and for those who hear you. Do you want this? Is this something you desire? for God to do with you, then pay close attention to yourself. Be self-aware of what's going on and what God is doing in your life. And proactively be obedient to Him on a daily basis. I want to go to B. Be an example that lights the fire in others to follow after Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 It's what I want to end with. But before I get there, I had one more point. That's not in your bulletins. Allow God to use you for his glory so that others would want to know God for themselves. Allow God to take you, mold you, and shape you into the vessel that's usable for every good work that you may impact the lives of the lost, the prodigals, and your brothers and sisters in Christ in such a way that it would glorify God and honor him. Live your lives for God. Think about what is to come. Forgetting the past, laying it at the foot of Christ, but remembering the past in the sense of what Christ has done in your life and entrusting Him with it fully and completely. I want to end with Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would Walk in them. The Apostle Paul was working on his own agenda before Christ got a hold of him. We often have our own agenda. 
in our own lives, we recognize this verse that God has created us for a purpose, for His good works. He's got them. He's got them available for us. Are we willing to say, God, I'm yours fully and completely. Use me. Direct my steps. I ask you for endurance that give you everything and entrust you with all those you bring into my life. And I ask you for wisdom and strength in influencing those that he brings into your life. So Ephesians 2.10, one more time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for endurance and living a life for you. Help us to look at your word and examine ourselves, God, and be challenged to seek you fully and completely, to know you and honor you and be obedient to you and all that we say and do and think. May we love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and give you everything that you've given us. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's children said, amen.